0: Hey, everybody, it's time to roll for intent right on into the creator's corner. I'm uh, your normal scheduled host, Trevor. But Christian could not make it today, so we've got a pinch hitter.
1: Whoa! Well, are you guys recording a podcast in here? I had I had no idea. I, I oh, guess God. if you need me to substitute, I can't. Uh, we let a bird in
0: the studio again. My hey, God. Hey,
1: I'm just going to take this empty seat right here, sitting down, and hey, everyone, it's Micah.
0: So everyone's favorite, AV Encrypted. How you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. So how'd I, how'd I rope you into this one?
1: Uh, well, you threatened to cut off my millet supply. And uh, also you said you would kill off my character if I would not like, take part. See, so you just like gotta I, re-
0: remove yeah. remove all veneer of, of yeah. uh, civility from our show. I mean, that's, that's the best way to do it,
1: honestly. Yeah, yeah like uh, everyone, like, the viewers don't know this, but we actually hate each other. Like, we're incredibly toxic oh, they know. the scenes. Okay. They know. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, they've been to the Discord. Yeah, exactly. So
0: uh, I had to take a long trip to capture our guest this week. I had to jump in a plane, head on over, uh, cross a pond. And, you know, getting that back through customs is rough when your bag is mumbling please don't hurt me and moving too much. But uh, I did promise him that once we did this interview, I'd let him free. Um, and I'm sure he's ready to get uh, his bonds off bonds off. I'm sure he's ready to get his bonds off. But tonight we've got Jamie Trollope with us. Uh, he's a pretty new content creator, but he's putting out a massive quantity of content in the released volumes he's done already. So I think it's pretty safe to say that he, uh, is a bit of a veteran, even though he just started, based on the amount of time that must have taken to put these things together. How are you doing tonight, Jamie?
2: Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I would say it's nice to be here, but waking up in a dark room sort of takes the shine off things a little bit, but
1: yeah. Hey, welcome to the club. You know, that's kind of my life.
2: Yeah, glad we could work that misunderstanding out, you know?
1: Yeah, but he usually
0: he just gets a blanket thrown over his cage, so it's okay. It's it's a lot lot more low-key. So you've got a couple really cool pieces of content out there that have been hovering in the top 10, I think, since they were released, which I think is pretty high praise considering the amount of really good content that is out there on Infinite. And I think those two pieces of content actually speak to the amount of work that put into them and how useful they are. When we first started the show, before we decided we were going to start just interviewing random content creators... Uh, random being a relative term because all of the people that we have interviewed have been lovely with lovely content, this show is aimed at helping GMs find better ways to run their games. And your content is aimed squarely at the GM. This is not aimed at a player uh, necessarily, though I think players could get good ideas for how to create their characters from this. This is definitely a GM-centric product, and I love it. So what I'm talking about, so I don't get 20 minutes in of gushing about this before I say, oh, by the way, this is what we're talking about. These are the NPC indices so far. Jamie's released one for the Warriors and one for casters. I think he might have one more on the way. We'll let him talk about that a little bit. But, Jamie, these things are massive.
2: Tell us a little bit about what
0: they are, broadly speaking, for somebody that might not be in the know as to what a NPC index is.
2: Sure. Uh, you've nailed it, firstly. These are definitely DM, uh centered products. Essentially, they're a series of uh, stat blocks, but they're specifically for class-based enemies. So one thing that I always thought is missing in second edition is I tend to retool a lot of monsters. I tend to re things for my purposes because the stuff that Paisa puts out is awesome, but one area I don't think they've covered quite yet is the sort of humanoid-based, class-based enemy. So when you you put a a barbarian in front of your group, I want them to know that they're fighting a barbarian. Uh, If they say the wrong thing in uh, the Church of Abadar and the cleric, is a little bit upset about that. I want them to know that that encounter is with a cleric of Abadar. You know, so these are bestiaries of stat block, and each one is 112 different creatures or enemies that your your group can face.
0: I really love this as a GM that likes to create random encounters on the fly based on story beats, because yeah. we run an adventure path for our regular show, and that's typically what I'll run every once in a while. I'll spin up some other thing. But I am not afraid of bolting things into it, right? The hardest thing about bolting on something based on, oh, well, the, the party got this wild hair and they're going to go off in this other direction and investigate this thing is figuring out, okay, well, they're investigating people. I need people stat blocks. And those are a pain. And like you said, there are not a lot of them available. And I've, uh, I recently did the judging for the Brewmaster's Compendium for Monsters. On the Pathfinder Second Edition subreddit, I was one of the judges, and something that I discussed with the other judges while we were getting submissions is some of my favorite creatures are or some of my favorite enemies are just NPCs because they make the world feel real. I mean, if your PCs are in the world, there have to be other people like you. There have to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes the world feel more genuine and lived in, and I love that. I would much rather have a interesting humanoid that the way that they play and the way that they fight speaks to who they are than just some generic slobbering monster 475.
2: Totally. Because those monsters often just become a collection of numbers. But I've always run my games as primarily wanting to tell a story first. And the action beats have always been in support of the storytelling. So... What I wanted with these products is to give GMs the opportunity to um, to flesh out their worlds with realistic encounters that really play off of the spontaneity of their groups. So I've had lots of instances where even if I'm running an adventure path, my group goes off on a wild tangent um, and says the wrong thing to the wrong NPC or is persistent about a particular line of investigation. And I'm just not prepared. For the encounters that ensue from that and i figured in writing these products that if they were going to be useful to me then they'd probably be useful to somebody else as well because as much as i love my group i don't think they're unique in that um you know tendency to to run off on wild goose chases
1: all right well uh that does uh answer my first question which was um is this useful as a fly by the seat of your pants, kind of like patching up a mistake, uh, creating a new encounter where you didn't really think there one, one would be? Um, so that's good to hear. Now, could you explain like the thought process that would go into that? So your, your NPCs say the wrong thing to the wrong person and a fight is going to ensue. How do you, the GM, then open up this book and use it to, uh, to uh, you know, build an encounter from scratch?
2: Sure. So the first thing is that these books So the two books that are released at the moment, Warriors, cover the core martial classes. So barbarian fighter, champion and ranger. And then spellcasters are the the primary spellcasters, clerics, druids, wizards and sorcerers. And so they cover the range of levels 1 to 20. So no matter where you are in your campaign, no matter the power level of your group, there are enemies in this book that will challenge them. They, because they represent the the classes that the, the players are based on as well, they can be put in a variety of situations that are realistic to that story that makes sense in the context of that story. So the way that a GM would use this is a number of different ways, really. So if the group decides that they want to go down a particular path that the GM isn't prepared for, they don't have encounters for, they can just open one of these books, turn to the stat block, the appropriate level and just drop them straight in all of the stats are there all of the spells are selected the feet uh the abilities and they really feel like that class so my design goal for this was i want you to know you're fighting a barbarian i want you to know that this is a champion and so on the the other way to use this is in preparation for games like converting Adventure Paths from first edition to second edition. Um, I've been doing that in some of my games myself. So I run a second edition conversion of Carrion Crown and Strange Aeons. Both of those have got lots of humanoid, class-based type enemies that don't translate exactly into second edition and that was one of the drivers for me, starting to put that block together anyway, that then came this wider project.
0: That's something I wanted to touch on, too, because not only do these stat blocks exist, but at the heading of each chapter, for lack of a better term, in which you describe the various stat blocks for the various uh, types that you're doing, you have instructions for building your own. So if you are like, well, it's not exactly what I'm looking for okay, well, the instructions are right here that you can either take one it's existing already and swap some things around, or you could just go ahead and build it from scratch. These are the feats they, ha- they should have. This is a rough sampling of the type of abilities they should have, what their stat ranges should be, according to the GMG uh, monster building guide, creature building guide. It's very, very useful because I, I sometimes find that creature building guide to be a little uh, dense and a little bit difficult to use from time to time, especially if I'm trying to pick something up on the fly. Whereas this, you know, you have your table for each of these that tell you how to class their skills, uh, how to class uh, their, their DCs, you know, high to extreme for a wizard for their spell DC makes sense, right? Uh, Low attack, low HP. And those are all specific bounds in the game master guide. So if you're looking at this and you're kind of confused by those terms, that's all Game Mastery Guide terms. You've done a great job of integrating that into this and giving some specificity to what those things mean and how to select them appropriately to create a balanced encounter. I love it.
2: Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I am a forever GM. I've been running games in you know, D&D initially and then Pathfinder first and second edition for um, you know, like 20 plus years now. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of prep. It's sometimes a bit of a thankless. <laughs> so I wanted to create some uh, products that would be of real use to GM, And that would be whether they're brand new to the game. And that's where I wanted to put in, you know, quite a simple step-by-step process of how you can create your own class-based NPC. Paizo have done an amazing job with the the uh, creature guidelines and the GMT. But like you said, they're dense. Um, And it takes quite a lot of knowledge to really get into that and and build your own. So I wanted to create a step-by-step process that simplified that a little bit. Um, But for those GMs that are really new, they can just pick up a monster and drop it in. They don't need to do any of that. And there's enough in there uh, for variety that you know you could you could use these books throughout the course of an entire campaign and never use the same NPC twice. And that's not uh, to say anything of the the Ancestry templates that I've put in there as well, which gives even more variety. I think, you know, I tried to do the, the math on this um, and probably failed, but I think with all of the different combinations of class level and Ancestry that's in there, you can have something like 3,000 different NPCs per book. You know? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to go to that degree,
0: but... Don't tempt me.
2: Well, <laughs> it's not a challenge. I wasn't throwing down the gauntlet.
1: That's very impressive. Um, so up until now, you've talked about this being used for like enemy NPCs, for monsters. Uh, do you see this being suitable for or balanced for uh, creating an allied NPC?
2: That's an interesting question. So th- they're definitely not balanced for player characters because they use the process from the game mastery guide, and that uh, both my product and Piiser's A physical product say that these numbers. You know, they don't add up in the way that PC numbers would. They're built according to different rules. What I would say, though, is that um, the books are, the the NPCs in the books are very thematic. So if somebody, a, a player new to the game, you know, I know I want some sort of nature-based warrior, then they can look at the range of stat blocks. And although they can't just pick those up and play those characters, the abilities that are in there give them a taste for the types of feats that they might want to select. But more specifically in the Spellcaster's book, there's two-rated spell lists in there by domain, by bloodline, um, and by school for uh, wizards. So I I think that when I first came to second edition, you know, selecting spells and, uh, and all of that sort of thing could be quite complicated. So these are Created spell lists that somebody a, pl- a player could just pick those up and apply them directly to their character if they know they want to blast there uh, they can just look at the blasting spell list from druid for example
1: all right uh then if trevor's not opposed to it i'd like to ask a more specific question go um, ahead yeah. Love
0: specific questions
1: so i i play a champion and roll for intent and so i'm i i'd like to look into the uh, the champion stat block here in the back of the warriors book um Looking at it, I see, you know, clear similarities, clear parallels between uh, this version of the champion and the player version of the champion. So I see, like, you know, ranged reprisal, retributive strikes, so on and so forth. These, like, uh, champion staples. But I'm also seeing, uh, like, things that, I f- if I recall, are not in the champion PC. Like, uh, I think uh, Litany in level 7 to 10. Um, Devoted Guardian in level 1 to 4. Uh, so could you could you explain to me the thought process or the logic that is going through your head when you're uh, trying to adapt a player character uh, stat block to an NPC stat block?
2: Sure. So the one of the design goals for this is, you know, you've got to keep in mind that these NPCs, regardless of the level, like if that encounter has been um, designed correctly, they're probably only going to be on the board for five rounds, maybe. You know, so in that five rounds, I want those NPCs to be able to have access to really thematic abilities that tie into the class, that, you know, days and weeks and months later, the players are going to be talking about the encounter with, you know, the sorcerer in the cave and all of this sort of thing. They know what they've encountered. So some of the abilities that they that are available to the NPCs, and it's a modular system. So if you look at a, you know, a level four champion uh, staff block that's in the book and there's an ability that you don't think is going to quite work for your table or for your uh, encounter, you can just swap it out for one of the other ones that are in the level range at the start of the book. There's, uh, so, so some of the abilities are based directly on the PC-style feet that come directly from uh, the class. Uh, but tweaked a little bit to make sense for an NPC. So, you know, when there are focus spells involved and that sort of thing, there isn't any text about how you regain focus points because these NPCs are only going to be around for 60 seconds in kind of game terms. Um, But there are some new abilities that are specific to the classes that were made up for this. So there wasn't a lot of mounted... Uh, champion abilities, for example. So there's a line of abilities in here now that really make you of the steed ally. Uh, so one of the one of the ones I really like in there is uh, the steed supernova ability, where your enemy champion can mount his steed as an action and cause uh, a kind of fiery explosion all around it as he mounts and then charges into the uh, into the fray. You know, I think that's really cool. I think that's thematic that would fit really well for an evil tyrant type champion.
1: Okay. And one final question before I give it back to Trevor. Uh, did you have a are you, when you're making these NPC stat blocks are you envisioning them being more for like a mob type enemy or a boss type enemy if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, sure. You can you can use them for either because they you know, I mean if you've got level 1 characters, then the level 4 um, NPCs in here will serve as a severe encounter, will serve as a boss encounter, and they're fully started out, um, for that. But equally, you know, if you've got, uh, a level seven group, a bunch of those level four, uh, NPCs will work really well as a mob. So they're, because they're built on the really solid foundation of the GMG rules anyway, about the expected ACs, the expected DCs by level, the expected, uh, damage output and that sort of thing, then, They should all be balanced, regardless of the level that you encounter them, and that's one of the great things about it, right? Is you can mix and match them, so you could have your PCs encounter a rival group of adventurers, and they look like a barbarian, a cleric, all right, very cool, very cool, and and so on, you know.
0: Adding on top of all that, the ability to add weak and elite templates to these gives you even more variability. So we have five of the same you know, the same exact stat block, but you throw an elite template on one of them. And that's the, that's the boss of the group. That's, that's the boss of this, this group of 'er ne'er-do-well Rangers, right? I'm also envisioning a scenario where the PCs start at level one and they wake up in a prison and they're all in different cells. And there's like 15 different cells and they have the opportunity to take one guy out with them. And now you have an NPC well, there's a barbarian over there, so I'll take him, or maybe a wizard would be nice. We'll take the wizard out of his, his cell. And you have that all pre-built, that they can go along with the characters until, you know, they die or serve their story purpose. And you didn't have to do any extra work as a GM other than write the story.
2: And that's exactly, that's exactly what I want for tables, you know, to be able to tell really great stories and for things like prep and number crunching not to get in the way of that. Um, so yeah, so they can just you can just pick up and drop any of these guys uh, or girls into the cell and write a whole adventure from there.
0: So these are huge, right? We've said there's 100. You've said that there are 112 uh, stat blocks in each of these books. As for uh, length of the volume, trying to find that page count here real quick. 107 pages of content. Yeah. in that and order, yeah. dense. Content. How yep. long did this take for you to put together?
2: So the the Warriors one took. Um, they actually came together pretty quickly because once I got into a flow and a process, I was just you know churning out stat block checking numbers. I mean that was the thing that took the longest was just to make sure that all the numbers were correct, according to the the level that they should be. But um, Warriors took about eight weeks. Oh, wow. So, you know, it okay. wasn't, yeah, it really wasn't a huge amount of time. Um, and spellcasters then was more complicated because of, yeah, the, the added complication of spell lists, Um and trying to do those by domain and make them appropriate to the, the Galarian gods for things like the cleric. So that took about 12 weeks, I think. Um, but they've, you're right. They're very dense in content. They're um, specifically designed that way so that you get a lot of content for for the money that you pay for them. Because you know they're at a relatively well, i say a relatively high price point for Pass by New Infinite. You know you don't see a lot of products there for for twelve dollars ninety nine. But equally, you know, like I said earlier, if you can, there's a hundred and twelve stat blocks in them just as they are. Um, and with every every variant, there's the order is in the hundreds or thousands. So I think they're definitely value for money. Um, and what I'd really what I really want for these books is for them to be useful to GMs, for them to save GMs time. Because you know, a few bucks like that for hours of saved time is, is probably worth it.
0: You also have Foundry modules for all these as well, which is a massive uh, benefit to people like me that run everything on Foundry. And now I can just say, oh, okay, well, let me grab these four things, just drag them onto the canvas, and I'm done. I don't have to go searching for them through the the book. I just got them. There we go. Bam. And I imagine that took some time either doing it yourself or finding somebody to contract to do that work as well, because that that's a lot of data entry. I've done it before for... For foundry and it can take some time.
2: Yeah, you're not wrong. So my uh, amazing collaborator Paul does all of the foundry stuff for me. Um, so he's uh, a guy that I met who playing Pathfinder Second Edition on Discord uh, in Play by Post Games, and we've just you know been collaborating on projects like this. He does all of the foundry for me. He taught himself how to do that, um, which is really impressive to me. I mean, you talk about wizards. I mean, that guy is a wizard. Like he. He taught himself how to do foundry, did all of the data entry for these stat blocks, and I I can't imagine how much of a tedious job that was, just crunched in numbers for hours and hours. But, you know, we do this hard work, so VMs don't have to. Tell
0: me a little bit about uh, your typesetting and whatnot. This is something that I've started to really take a keen eye on going through these pieces of content, because there are some templates that you can get for free and you can purchase on Infinite for setting up your, your page layouts and whatnot. What did you end up using for doing your page layouts, uh, Your essentially your, your final compositing for this project?
2: Sure. So I, I ended up um, creating all of these templates in Scrap. Um, I created the whole, the whole book, the whole design from Scrap using um, Affinity Publisher. So in my initial products on Pathfinder Infinite, um, you know, I started out using Google Docs and Microsoft Word. Yeah, so the templates that exist in, on Pathfinder Infinite, um, they exist for Google Docs, Word, uh, and Infinity Publisher. And a new creator can just pick those up and, you know, not have to worry so much about the design side. They can just worry about the creation, about the the thing that they're passionate about. The other thing as well is that there's an incredibly passionate and, um, supportive community for Pathfinder Infinite through the subreddit in particular. And there are always people out there who are willing to help, um, and provide advice or are willing to be, um, or will be commissioned to do this work for them. But for, for my products, I put these together in Finity Publisher and I've been working really hard on layout. And like that, said, especially for these products, because there's so much information, um, I wanted them to be easy to use first and foremost. You know, I wanted people to be able to pick them, pick them up, flick through, find the thing they need. Um, and yeah, not have to struggle to, to find anything.
1: So was there a learning curve for you for uh, formatting it in this way in Affinity? Or did you have... Um... Uh, like several different iterations that you went through trying to find the right format for what it is you were trying to do?
2: Yes. The biggest mistake I made with Warriors was designing it directly in Publisher. Or what I mean by that is doing the content, you know, writing the content as I was going in Publisher rather than doing it in something like Google Drive. I was designing and editing and typesetting as I was writing the content. So what that meant was if I found that something was incorrect or I wanted to change an ability or anything like that, it just knocked everything else out of sync for pages and pages of pages. And that cost me so much time and was such a, a headache to, to rectify. Uh, so for Spellcasters, I just did all of the content uh, and the editing in Google Docs and then began the design process. And I think that was my. You know, that was born of my excitement to just want to get it done and get it out, you know. Um, But I learned to slow down, take my time, get it right. And then.
0: If you could give any advice to somebody that's on the fence about content creation or somebody that has an idea and they're not sure where to start. What exactly would you tell them?
2: So the first thing I would tell them is that if they've had this really cool idea. That they think is going to be interesting or useful to somebody, I can almost guarantee that it will be. So my first bit of advice is, you know, really just kind of challenge yourself, take the risk potentially of just putting something out there. Like I said, there's so much support, and I really wish that I had started earlier than I than I did. Um, I've I published my first product on Pathfinder Infinite in May, so I'm I'm really new to. This process. But I wish that I had found the community that I have through the uh Drive Through RPG Discord, through the uh infinite possibilities Discord and the Pathfinder Infinite Subway. I wish I'd found that earlier. People are so willing to give with their time and their advice. So yeah, I would just tell people, you know focus on the thing you love focus on the thing you're passionate about and uh, and put it out there don't worry too much about the the design issues like i said there's templates out there that people uh, can use for free that are really high quality and just try and take that that seed of an idea and work on it and work on it um but don't wait too long get it out there get feedback and you know The good thing about Pathfinder Infinite is because because it's all online, you can iterate based on feedback and rectify any mistakes like typos. Like I've done um, both of these products, had some typos in there and a a couple of missing values and things like that when they were published. As much as I try to be rigorous in my editing process, that does happen, we're all human, but we don't have to then release a whole errata of printed products. You can just change it and upload the new PDF.
0: Rely on the grammar hammers in the community to fix it for you. They I will find a habit. you. I have a, a habit of every everything review. It's kind of hard for yours since it's so huge. But everything I review, I read it all on my, my phone. And I mark things up that are wrong in the PDF as I go through. And usually by the time we're done with the interview, I'll present it like, Hey, by the way, I found these editing mistakes. And almost everybody's been like, oh, okay, cool. And fixed it like immediately. So that's been something that has been really, really has stood out to me is uh, it's an iterative art form. Just like in podcasting, it's an iterative art form. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back after a release. and like, oh, wow, I got to fix a level on that because it's wrong. And I fixed it, right? So that's the gr- one of my favorite things I think about Pathfinder Infinite is iterative not only edits and fixes, but patches and updates to content when people find that something's either out of whack or just want to add something else. It's it's great, and it you know infinite or drive through RPG will automatically let you know when there's a new version out, and bada bing, bada boom, you've got it. It's great. So, I understand you've got something else coming. Is there anything you can tell us about that? Because if it's anything like these, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah. So the these were always intended to be a family of books. Um, so we covered the warrior classes, the spellcasting classes, so what less of the core um, second edition classes are the Alchemist, the Bard, the monk, and the rogue, And so they are coming next in the MPC Index Specialist book. So working on that currently, um, it'll be the same format with Ancestry templates, and then a whole bunch of stat blocks of those uh, different classes that you can just pick up and drop in your games. The modular system of adding or taking away abilities, all of that good stuff uh, for the, the classes that I'm calling specialists. So hopefully that's going to be out um, in sometime in November, is what I'm able to say at the moment, I think.
0: Well, I will keep my eyes peeled for those.
2: So the other thing that I'm working on as well is we haven't touched too much on the Ancestry templates, so just to quickly explain what they are. Each of the stat blocks that are in the book are kind of agnostic of Ancestry, but at the start of the book, there's 30 very simplified Ancestry templates that you can uh, drop onto any of these stat blocks. So if you want a Dwarf champion, there's a Dwarf template there. You just pick it up, drop it on. If you want to pop it barbarian for whatever reason uh because why not that's there too you can just pick up that ancestry and and drop it on any of the stat blocks so the other product that i'm working on and i'm desperately trying to get out in time for halloween are undead templates so this will be a collection of 20 different undead creatures that you can apply that template for any of these stat blocks so once that's out if you want a ghost champion if you want a zombie barbarian you know all of those things will be there so we're we're covering ghouls revenant a whole bunch of good spooky things in time for halloween
1: so uh just out of curiosity do you have a favorite like combination of a uh, heritage and class like just something really weird and out there that no one else would have thought of
2: yeah i just mentioned it then i think the the poppet barbarian i just love nice. that idea of uh very nice a very creepy uh kind of almost possessed doll um that you know can also wield a great club with great proficiency yeah i think that's the cool thing about about this is with the ancestry templates you can just have a variety you can have such cool different combinations And when you put them together like that, that's going to almost immediately make for a memorable encounter, you know? People are going to remember that part Barbarian, down the line.
0: Well, I've had a great time, and I've had a great time thumbing through this book, and I'm going to have a great time trying to kill my players with the NPCs in here. But we are nearly out of time, so I'm going to have to bid you farewell for the night, Jamie. And as always, I am Trevor.
1: I'm Micah, and, and we're roll for intent. We're roll yeah. for intent. See, Christian yeah. usually right. closes it out. Okay. I feel like a,
0: I feel like a, a, a fish out of water here. Christian closes out every episode, and I feel his, his uh, absence very dearly. Micah, you'll never feel his shoes. I'm sorry.
1: His shoes are way too big for me.
0: Massive. You can take a bath just, in them.
1: Just huge. Just a large, large ginger man. Well, y'all have a great night. Till next time. Good night, everyone. Thanks a lot, Jamie. You're welcome. Bye, y'all.